This episode of Hot Check Hockey is brought to you by Barker Builds. Jeff Barker is an absolute beauty and his work is incredible. Jeff specializes in commercial and residential custom-built trailers, gates, stairs, railings, pergolas, and more. Whether you want it done in wood, steel, ornamental wrought iron, or even aluminum. Jeff has 15 years experience and you can be assured that Barker builds it better. Check him out at www.barkerbuilds.ca. You can also find him on Instagram and Facebook. What is going on, everybody? It is episode number 49 of Hat Trick Hockey, which is always brought to you by our good friends over at GL Heritage, the official beer of Hat Trick Hockey. This being episode number 49, this is the Joe Juno edition. Joe Juno played 13 seasons. He played 828 games. He had 156 goals, 416 assists, 572 points. It's also a Olympic silver medalist. Also, if you like my hat, you like my shirt, if you like those, you can just go to our merch store. You can click any link on any post. You can click the shop now button on our page as well. It'll bring you right to our store for all types of HTH merch. I'll bring in my buddy, my boy, my line mate, Rob. What's up, buddy? I'm just going to pull her uh, blonde here and uh, thank Todd Reeb for uh, grabbing us these glasses. Yeah, you got us those uh, sick mugs. Hockey boot. Mm-hmm. So a lot ahead. <laughs> so <laughs> over the like weekend before we get into the hockey stuff, Rob and I on Saturday afternoon took a little ride out to GL Heritage there. What a fucking setup they have out there. Rob and I went out to try the new beers. And Rob, they didn't disappoint. No. Nope. The locale is I, fantastic. I think it's perfect. I love yeah, it. Yeah. I'm going straight to Cali. Cali. Mm. Cali. <laughs> the uh the milkshake one, if you're a coconut lover with like a hint of lime, you'll love it. You'll love it. It's uh it's good too. But I'm more of a of a locale light beer kind of guy, so that one to me is the front runner for me. They're all great, but the front runner for me and what will be here will be locale, one hundred percent. What do you think, Rob? Oh, for sure. But you know, I love crushing blondes. Yeah, like, oh, of course. So, of course, all their beers are good. Just if I'm going out saucing with the boys, I'm going locales all night. Also, the patio. How big is the patio there, Rob? Holy crow, it's huge. It was fantastic. Yeah, Rob and I got a great. Yeah, they got it all, all the back of the parking lot and everything. It was awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Rob and I went out there. We uh, we had a few beers. We tried it. Uh, we met uh, Jen, who was the marketing like manager there. She was super cool. So her and I got to talk. Uh, the staff out there is always great, always so friendly. They uh, they work hard. The place is immaculate. I love it out there. So everybody, I would definitely highly, highly, highly recommend shoot out there, sit on the patio, have a few beers. They got food like trucks out there every weekend. There's a farmer's market out there every weekend as well. So check it out. So big thanks to them over at GL Heritage. Okay, one second before we get going. I got a bone to pick with Greg at Uh-oh. GL Heritage. Uh oh. We've been out there twice and I tried buying the rock jersey uh t shirts that they got out there. Oh yeah. Hey, 
Get some larges. <laughs> hey, what I can do. I don't, I don't know what's going on. I don't get it. What I can do for you, though, Rob. I see your management wearing them. <laughs> hey, what I can do for you, though, is I can shoot a uh, email to Jen, and I'll have Jen order us a couple. How's that sound? Well, let's get Jen to take care of us because yeah. she's the marketing genius out there, obviously. Yeah, yeah. we're, we're going to take care of it, so we'll be all good. She was a total beaut. Yeah. So we'll get into it here. So the Habs had to knock off the Jets, okay? So the Habs are obviously now playing Las Vegas, but to beat the Jets. So last time we were on the air, Rob, the series, it was 3-0 Habs. Game four did not disappoint at all. Ended up going into overtime. And uh, the Habs fucking, they pulled through, man. What an overtime goal. You obviously seen it, right? Yep. Yep. That kid, what a feed, eh? I can't believe Montreal and how, oh, geez, that Cofield, something else. I can't believe he sat two games for Toronto. They, they might have done some more damage than going seven games. I know. But he's going to be, he's going to be something else. He's something yeah. special, that kid. Yeah, he's uh, he's buzzing all all over the place out there. Looks like he's looks like he's been there for years already. It's not some of the plays he's making. He's already well. I know it was regular like season, but he's already scored in overtime a couple times. And this kid's dangerous, man. He's a nice piece moving forward for them. For sure. Um. So that one's sweet, which we all on him though, because there's so many good players on that team that that uh, man, he's really put something special together there. He has. And the craziest part is like he was on the hot seat, man. Like he, well, he should have been. Like he's been there for how long and he hasn't gotten it done. So, mm -hmm. like Carey Price is playing. Oh. Carey Price, Price is out of his mind right now. Big game, Carey. <laughs> out of his mind right now. But before we get into him in the next series, though, um, so Las Vegas had to go through Colorado. That series went six games. And it was an absolute slugfest. Kadri obviously missed the whole series. His, I think personally, I think Colorado's going to deal him. Just by the way it sounded, it didn't sound good. Like his his future there didn't sound good. Well, he had no incidences all season. And then the playoffs come and the fucking wires get crossed. And I, I don't understand it. You're doing no favors to your team by running this guy. Mm-hmm. You know, so what, that's I don't a, know. I, I don't know how he turns it on and turns it off. It's, it's unreal. That's the third time that he's been kicked out of a playoff series. Third that sucks, straight. man. Yeah, that's, that sucks. So Colorado lost in six games. Um, Mark Andre Fleury was, stole the show, of course, right? He was fantastic. They were scoring. Like, Marshall had a hat trick the one game. Mark Stone is out of his mind right now. But the thing with Vegas is they're so big. They're so quick. They're physical. They play good D. They have good goaltending. They're scoring like they scored over, I think they were over four or five goals, like three out of the six games in the series. They scored more than four goals. Can I make a little comparison with this? Yeah. You, you, you look at Colorado – and you look at Toronto, they're very similar teams. Mm -hmm. When they're wheeling and going regular season, they're built mm -hmm. for regular season. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And did they win? Did, did they win the North? Yep. Mm -hmm. No problem. Easy peasy, right? Yeah. Colorado, didn't they win their division? 
I believe they did, yeah. Right? In the standings for, before the playoffs? Same thing. Easy peasy. And then, you know, but I, I give it to Colorado. They made it past the second round. Toronto couldn't get past Montreal. Mm-hmm. But Montreal is also built more like Vegas. Yeah. Two great goaltenders and physical teams. Yeah, we're going to see an amazing goaltending matchup. But before we get to that goaltending matchup, though, so game five, so the series was tied at two going into game five, and Mark Stone got a pass from Pacioretty, I want to say, hit him, and he went in and sniped right under the crossbar, won it in overtime. And then they turned around two nights later, and they wrapped up the series. They beat him 6-3. Like, it was all Vegas. They were all over him. You could tell that the blood was in the water, and it was it, man. They were just all over him, just top to bottom, all over the place. And so, like I said, Vegas walked out with a 6-3 win and a 4-2 series win as well. What, do you have anything else on that uh, series there, Rob, or it was just kind of pretty well straightforward? Yeah, pretty much summed it up. So now when those two teams come out of that series, now we have, now it's going to get interesting. So now we have Las Vegas is now going to meet up with the Habs. So Rob, what do you think Montreal has to do to win this series? Like, what do you think it's going to take for them to beat Las Vegas? Cause Las Vegas is insane. They got to do the same thing that they did to Toronto and the Jets. They, they got to dump it in be physical, hit everything that you can hit. Don't mm-hmm. peel off. Mm-hmm. Let them stick it, stick them in the ribs. Let them know you're there. Yeah. You know, bleed all like, over them. Yeah. <laughs> they, they, they got, they got to be physical. If they're not physical and you know, uh, let, let's, let's put it in perspective. Vegas is going to be physical too. They oh, got yeah. the guys, you know, like Mark Stone, even Mark Stone, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He's going to put you through the boards if he gets a chance. Mm-hmm. This this is what playoff hockey is all about. Like, and, and I honestly think that Montreal is built for the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, they finished middle of the pack, and I guarantee you that's pretty much where where they pro- were projected. You know, like with the things that Bergevin did um, in the off season and through the through the middle of the season, picking up to Foley and picking up. Um, he was huge. Uh, didn't they pick up that? Never mind. Nope. Gonna fuck his name up. So, <laughs> but yeah, still though, he he made some moves that definitely helped him out. But yeah. like, like another thing that they're gonna have to do is they're gonna have to stay out of the box because Las Vegas will fucking kill you on the power play, and minimize their mistakes. Like they can't, you can't make any mistakes against Las Vegas because they will capitalize, and it will be. You could cough up a puck, make a mistake, whatever. Las Vegas is going to turn around, put that puck up the ice so quick, and in three passes, it's in the back of your net. Like, that's how quick Las Vegas is. The thing with Montreal right now, too, is Montreal is going in with a hot carry price. A hot carry price has been known to steal a series. Can you do it against Las Vegas? It's possible, but I'm telling you right now, it's going to take a lot because Vegas is going to fire 30, 40 shots a night at you. So they're gonna have they're gonna have to block shot they're gonna have to grind it out like this is gonna be a drag dog fight series it's gonna they're gonna fight tooth and nail they're gonna it's not it's not gonna be easy. What I want to know, Rob, is 
who do you got one in this series? Because we have an all-time goalie matchup here with Marc-Andre Fleury and Carey Price. So it's to me, it's flip a coin, but I'll let you go first. If if I pick Vegas, that means Montreal will win. Because if I pick Montreal, fuck every all my fucking picks have gone right into right in the shitter. But so if you if, if you if you had pick to pick anybody, pick who I don't pick. So I I I like Montreal. I like Montreal grinding it out and uh, just being physical and you know Weber. Let's see what you got. Mm-hmm. You're gonna find out. Dig deep. So you're so you're yeah. gonna go Montreal. Yeah, I'm gonna take Montreal. So um, everybody else pick Vegas. How many? In how many? Oh, I think this will go seven. This will go seven. And I think it's gonna be like two one games, two yeah, one nothing it's, games. Yeah, it's a couple overtimes. You know I mean? Like yeah, yeah. I I, I can't see mm-hmm. you know, seven goals, eight yeah. goals being scored in this series. Yeah. Okay, so <laughs> this is going to sound fucked up, but I have to say Las Vegas for obvious reasons. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Because I did pick them to win the cup. So I am going to say Las Vegas. I'm sorry, Habs fans. I love you right now. I think it's going to be six games. But if there's any team that my guys get knocked out for, I hope it's Montreal. How's that? Is that like a little bit better? So I, like I said, I have to do it for obvious reasons because I've, I picked them to win. So I can't say Montreal when I have Las Vegas to win the Stanley cup. So Las Vegas, six games, Montreal. If you do it, I won't be mad. How about that? (laughs) So I'm just, I'm honestly, I just can't wait to watch this series because it's going to be, like you said, it's going to be low scoring and it's going to be just, they're going to fucking be buzzing. They're going to be hitting. They're going to be, there's going to be some scraps. There's going to be, it's, I can't wait for this series. I can't wait. It's going to be great. So we'll flip over here. So we'll go to, so the Lightning had to play, uh, they knocked out Carolina. And it was like those two freaking teams. That was like they were. That was a dogfight for a little bit. Lightning won the series four to one. It was like uh, Carolina won game three in overtime, but that was it. Like it was pretty well all Tampa, which we kind of knew was going to happen, right? Pretty much, yeah, <laughs> right. Um, but I, yeah. I, I, I honestly thought Brendan Moore was going to have them a little bit more prepared. I, I don't know. I, I'm sure he did, but I, I, it's Tampa Bay, right? Yeah, and like, look who you're playing against. All-star kinda, team. Yeah. $18 million over the salary cap, for fuck's sake. Yeah, that's nuts. Did you see how that, how, like, how they yeah. do that? Yeah, yeah. Like, with guys are hurt, if they're on long-time IR, they they just put them on the long ter- long-term IR or whatever, and then their salary doesn't count. And when you go into the playoffs – there's there. I don't think there's a salary cap in the playoffs, so they can just add there's them back not. in. Yep. Right. There's so no cap that's, that's their, their way around it. So for anybody that doesn't know how that works and you think how the fuck can the team be over the salary cap? That's how. So it's guys, general managers and stuff will always find their way. They'll always find those, those, those little loopholes 
Shout. And it's like we've said on this show a million times, not only is the game within the game played on the ice, it's played in the office too. So it's everywhere. They're geniuses how, how they figure this shit out. Mm-hmm. It's nuts. Um, so the other series too, the New York Islanders moved on. So they beat out Boston and that was a dog fight. It seemed like after every whistle, there was a scrum and that like they had everything they hit, they fought, they had two overtime games. Um, what was it? One, two, three, three out of the six games were, it was one goal games, one of two games, one in the overtime. Like, it was just a great series, but the Islanders just, in the end, man, they just shut them down. They won game six. They won six to two. But I know they scored a couple empty netters, though, but that place was fucking rocking on Long Island, like roof blowing off the place. I love it. I love seeing the full fucking buildings now and them just rocking right now. Montreal, though, hopefully they can get some more in there, but. We'll see, Rob. Do you got anything on that uh, series there? Did you watch it at that all? Bar, that Barzell, he's that guy's a man. He nasty, is sick. nasty, sick. Like even even last night against Tampa Bay. Yeah, he scored again. You wow. can't stop this guy. He, no. He's just amazing, mm-hmm. amazing hockey player. So let's let's actually go into that. So the Islanders ended up winning Game One. Um, they just completely shut them down, man. They kept guys like Tyler Johnson, Maroon, Gord, Stan Coast. They kept all those guys like that off the board. Um, when you keep guys like that off the board, honestly, I like your chances. You know what I mean? Because those are those are some of the big dogs over there. Of course, like Kucherov had an assist, and I think Braden Point scored the goal. So, like, you obviously can't hold everybody off the board. Um. Also, Varlamov was sensational. Each, both teams, both teams actually had 31 shots on goal. That's nuts. Did, both the goalies were outstanding. Mm-hmm. And as you just said, too, uh, Barzell scored again. Shocker, right? Did you watch that game at all? I caught the third period. Yeah, I was going to say, I only seen a little bit of it, too, but I'm always like score checking and stuff like that. So I went on, Rob, and I looked up just a couple of the stats that kind of jumped out to me when it come to that game. So the face-offs there, um, well, obviously out of 100% of draws, 60.9 was the Islanders. The Lightning only won 39.1. So they were all over him in the face-off dot. Tampa Bay gave the puck away seven times. The Islanders did it once. Wow. Like, it's just stuff like that, right? And how's this one for a stat? Bring your fucking first aid kits, everybody, this series. Bring your Tylenol. Bring your Advil. Bring all that stuff. Here's a stat. Tampa Bay had 41 hits. The Islanders had fucking 40. There was 81 hits thrown in game one. (laughs) You think they're banging it up out there? You think this is playoff hockey, folks? You like it rough? You like it back? Enough for them to... uh... Go to the like, next round. Yeah. yeah. If you like your hockey like you like your sacks rough and fast, you're going to love that fucking series. I'll tell you that. Let's put it that way. So, like, these guys Slow are – steady. Yeah. Slow and steady, boys. <laughs> yeah. These guys are banging it up. So, it is – it seemed like every time someone passed the puck, somebody was just 
finishing their hit. Like it seemed like every time you just heard the boards, heard the boards, heard the boards. And I love it. It's playoff hockey, man. Let's fucking go, baby. Let's go. I love it. So also. Braden Point, though, is leading in uh, goal score and points now, right? I believe he is, yes. Yeah. He's with that goal that he scored last night. Yeah, he's something else, too. He's ridiculous. He is. So, uh, Rob, the big question. Who's going to win the series and how many games? Fuck those Islanders. Sorry, Matt Martin. Um, I want the Islanders to lose too. So you're going lightning? What's that? So are you going lightning? Yeah. How I, many I, games? I, I, I think this is going to go seven as well. Mm-hmm. I don't think I don't see any way around it. Uh, Tampa Bay will not roll over and they're just too good of a team, you know, like, so they had a little bit of a layoff there because they ousted Carolina quickly. Yeah. So you know, they're, they're kind of sitting maybe a little bit rusty, whatever. I, I do find it better. Like when there's a, uh, you know, teams just roll out of one series right into another mm-hmm. and they don't have that long layover. But, yeah. You know, like look, look, look at the jets when they played Montreal. Mm-hmm. Fuck, they didn't have anything. Mm-hmm. So sometimes though that mean, weight can be bad too, though. Yeah. That well, that's what I mean. That, that's what yeah. I'm saying. The, the weight is bad. It, yeah. it, I think it uh slows down your momentum of, of the team playing, right? So mm-hmm. yeah, we'll we'll see what happens. I, I just want Tampa Bay to beat Marco. <laughs> well, I'm gonna uh you guys might think I'm nuts here, but I'm gonna be kind of I'm gonna call this. A, this is gonna be. This is gonna be my upset series. I think the Islanders are gonna get it done. They're just swarming them. Like they're. It's they're doing that New York that trap, right? Like you just. It don't matter how good your hockey team is. That trap is ridiculous. And remember, they beat Boston three straight games coming into that series too, as well. So now they're four straight wins so they're buzzing right now so they're rolling so i'm gonna say the islanders welcome to the stanley cup finals hopefully and i definitely think it's going to be seven games but this is going to be my upset series i just think it's going to go back and forth but it will go seven games i think we're going to see a couple overtime games as well it's going to get interesting so buckle up but i'm going to say islanders in seven We'll see, man. I, plus, I like to make it interesting, right? So, but I just, I don't know. I just have a feeling with them. I just look who they've already knocked off too, right? Like it's, they've knocked off some teams that are no no joke, man. They knocked off Pittsburgh. They knocked off Boston. You know what I mean? So you knock off teams like that to start a run and you get on a roll. It's just anything's possible. We'll see. Yeah, they are a hell of a team. Mm-hmm. Anything could happen. All you got to do is make the playoffs, you know. Yeah. Anything could happen. Look at Montreal. Yeah, and I'll tell you what. Nobody, nobody picked them to be there. And if you say you did, I don't believe you. <laughs> yeah, so those guys, they got something to be excited about there on Long Island. So after that, should we, uh, what do you think? Should we just flip it over to our interview here? Yeah. Got an absolute beauty for this interview and just so we know once again big shout out to rob shrimp who is our 
our interview today. So Rob is in Latvia and he stayed up till midnight to do this interview with us. So he's super cool move on him. Super cool to just sit down and talk with him. And the guy's got some sick stories. So we'll flip it over to Rob. So everybody enjoy Mr. Rob Shrimp. Roll it. Delta. Ladies and gentlemen, this next man on with us, <clears throat> sorry, voice got all weird there. He's played OHL World Juniors. He was drafted 25th overall. He's played AHL five years in the NHL with the Oilers, Islanders, Thrashers. He's played in several leagues overseas. Now, I believe he currently plays in Latvia. He has the greasiest mitts you have ever seen in your life. Ladies and gentlemen, Rob Shrimp. Rob, welcome, buddy. Hey guys, how you doing? How's everything in Latvia? It's good, yeah. Things are good. The World Championships just left here. Uh, things are starting to kind of settle down in the, in the in the pandemic side of things, so it's starting to get back to normal and, and life starting to, to uh, pick back up again. So it's it's pretty good here. It would've been nice to to be able to attend that World Championship tournament, but uh, it was cool nonetheless to have it right in the backyard. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's perfect for you. That would have been get, awesome to watch much of it. I watched obviously on TV, but uh, yeah, they didn't allow uh, spectators weren't allowed to like the last three or four days, and then there was only a certain it was only allowed like I think twenty eight hundred fans per game. So uh, I didn't get to go to any live. And then the other thing is going to those would be more for like to see friends and see people that I knew, and they were all in a bubble, so uh, it would there would have been really no point to go there just a super fan. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah, freaking. Uh... Freaking uh, Canada there. It was absolutely nuts what happened with all that, eh? how everything worked out, how they even got into the rounds. And yeah. like, there was like 1,800 things that like had to happen and every single one of them happened. It was just, I've never seen anything like that ever. Yeah, and no, it was wild. They they, they struggled in the beginning. Uh, lost to Lafayette. They lost a few of the first three games they lost and they just weren't looking good. Um, and that's turned it on eventually they got and they caught a couple of breaks obviously with the way the system goes of getting in with with the you know whatever the point system and the tiebreakers that sort of thing so uh, but that's a team I can and once they get into those kind of you know qualification rounds it's you never know what can happen they turned it on at the right time yeah it's just nuts who, who stood out for you in that tournament that uh, you liked on uh, team Canada I like. I thought Nick Paul played well. I think he had a pretty good, uh, you know, enhanced role. And, and obviously, I think in Ottawa, he's more of a third, fourth line guy. And I, th I thought he played really well here. Him and Brown played well um, in this tournament. But um, you know, there's a few. Henry stood out. He played really well. He's a strong player. No surprise. But he really stuck. He stood out a little bit and, and kind of stepped up at the right time for the team and wound up hoisting that trophy over his head. So um, yeah, uh, how do you say his name? Cut. I want to say his name. I don't want to say it wrong. The guy from Anaheim. Because how do you say it? I don't know. <laughs> number, he was wearing number 44, I believe, in the tournament. Oh, I don't know. I would probably, I would just crush his I'm going to butcher would... his name. I don't want to do it. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, he, he played really well as well. He had some big goals. I think he had two goals or he had a goal, uh, two goals in the semifinal game. I mm -hmm. uh, played really well. He stuck out, he stuck out to me. I think it was like three or four guys I thought played really well, played really good hockey. That was crazy. played really well too. That uh, uh, Kipper? No, the Kemper. oh no, Kemper, yeah, Kemper, Kemper. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he was fantastic. 
He was real good. Talk about butchering names. <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> so, so you're a New York boy, right? Yeah, I grew up in upstate New York, born and raised up there. Uh, Fulton, New York is my hometown, just outside of Syracuse, like 25 miles north of Syracuse. Mm. So what was was like hockey like there growing up? Yeah, it's pretty, it's a good area for it, obviously, in right off of uh, Lake Ontario, you know, the lake effect in winter times are pretty, pretty heavy snow down, uh, you know, snowfalls and wintertime was wrapped around hockey and basketball were the two sports kind of, and a little bit of, and like wrestling was big in our area as well. But for the majority, when the snow started coming, the winter came, it was hockey season for us. So um, it's grown really big and Syracuse has a pretty, you know, has a really good program now. They're, you know, a lot of the last few years, they've been nationally ranked and, and good teams. Uh, Don Kernan really started that initiative back in the kind of like the late nineties with guys like Tim Conley, Matt Murley, J.D. Forrest, Freddie Myers, some really cool names, uh, successful names. And, uh, they put Syracuse on the map when they went up to Trinity Quebec. Uh, I think it was in 98, I want to say. And they won the tournament with that team with Tim Conley, Drew Bucktooth, J.D. Forrest, these guys. Uh, um, yeah, that, that put Syracuse on the map and, and hockey's kind of been growing ever since in that area. So mm-hmm. Rochester's right there. Buffalo, New York is right there. Um, the Kingston border is only an hour and a half away. So really close to the Canadian border and, and, you know, to the other side, Niagara Falls only two and a half hours away. So really good hockey is very close to us. And that was something that was, you know, growing up was a definitely an advantage. Mm -hmm. So, so I, I watched the spit or uh, listened to the spit and chicklets episode that you were on there and they were talking about, uh, you know, you being 11 years old and scoring like 300 goals. (laughs) Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, no, I was, I really grew. I had a big growth spurt of playing AAA. That was my first year at AAA, actually. I was playing, I want to say house league, but like travel hockey, we called it. Uh, wasn't AAA hockey. It was more travel hockey right around, you know, most of the games were within 35 to an hour of around, you know, that surrounding area. And 11 years old, my first year at AAA hockey and a bunch of tournaments up in Toronto and a bunch of tournaments up in Canada. And, and that year, I, I was probably around the 350 to 400 goal range. Uh, yeah, it was. It took off for me. I learned how to shoot. Donnie Kernan Juniors uh, taught me how to shoot and taught me a lot about hockey. And and I really took to it and put it into my game. And I was scoring probably you know anywhere between four and six goals a game. And it turned into a lot of the time where I'd have to they'd be asking me to pass <laughs> or shooting. So. <laughs> I was gonna say, did did you ever miss the fucking net? <laughs> no, man, I, was, I, mean, I, I had dead accuracy, man. I could hit the uh, crossbar from my knees on the far blue line. So That's I really had my shooting down at that age at 11. You know how the goalies are at 11 years old. Um, if you I, were doing, you know, hold on a second. You were doing that at 11 years old, knees, far freaking line off the crossbar at 11? Yeah. Holy fuck. Yeah. <laughs> that's insane. I trip over that blue line, so uh, yeah. I, don't even know what that means. <laughs> I still trip over the blue line. They're more like speed day. bumps for me than lines. Jesus. So, you like your hands are sick, dude. Like, when did all that like come about? You must have had just always, always with the freaking stick and puck, right? To have hands like that. 
Yeah, I know. I spent. I was a rink rat. I loved it. And I always had a stick in my hand, whether it was hockey or lacrosse or a baseball bat. To be honest with you, so I I, I was a multi you know multi sport athlete, and you know not till 12, 12 or thirteen, I really picked up hockey full time and didn't play any other sports. But up until twelve years old, I was playing lacrosse. That was a big thing for me. Was lacrosse, um, cradle on a cradle on a ball, cradle on a stick with a cross stick is really in my mind and for my experience, it really opened up my hands for hockey, uh, opened up my wrist, opened up a lot. And also when it came to shooting, same sort of thing, lacrosse is, you know, you got to snap and fall through your target, use weight transfer and all that stuff transitions into hockey. Um, so all of it really came together, you know, and then there's the YouTube stuff that I started doing. I mean, it started to get known when I was whatever, 18, 19 years old, but I was doing that at 12 years old. And that was something where it kind of, yeah, just made me different from a lot of different players and it made me kind of unique in a way, but um, it also opened up my hand. So, yeah, I always had a lacrosse stick or a hockey stick in my hand, and that really gave me a lot of confidence when I got on the ice. Mm-hmm. That's not well, you, you, ob- you obviously liked uh, hockey a lot more than lacrosse. Like, what, what made you switch to the hockey part of it? Uh, yeah, that's at that age for me in that area, hockey had a um, more opportunity for a higher level, you know, where, where lacrosse was more, again, it was the same, it's called brine or bull. And it was all just lacrosse in that area, which is pretty good. But like at that level, I was, you know, whatever, 10, 11 years old, I was scoring seven, eight goals in lacrosse as well. So it kind of hit its, you know, I hit the kind of ceiling as far as, what do you want to call it? Uh, competition wise. Mm-hmm. There wasn't really anywhere for me to go. Like with hockey, you know, you could, again, I could be doing that, you know, successful weekends let's say around that area and then we go up to Toronto or go up to the Canada you'd be playing against the best of the best you know with that age bracket it was like Evan McGrath, David Bull and Brian Bickle you're seeing these guys at tournaments and we'd all I'd still have three four goals a game but like those guys would be doing the same thing right so you can kind of meet your match so to speak and be challenged a little bit so that's what really kind of piqued me more towards uh, I guess drew me more towards hockey was having that challenge. Now, being from New York, how did you end up in the OHL? Uh, I started playing Tier 2 Junior A at 14, and that kind of – I watched Timmy Conley growing up. He was right off my area, Baldwinsville, New York, 10 miles away from me, and Timmy Conley was an absolute stud uh, coming out of that area. And, he, you know, on the map, went to the OHL, first-round draft pick in the OHL. Mm-hmm. And then obviously a first round draft pick in the NHL and, and being a young kid watching him, idolizing him, I kind of, I wanted to take his path. Um, so I played the tier two league there in the Ontario Provincial League at 14 and 15. And I was drafted first overall by the Minnesota Ice Dogs. So it was kind of fast track there. And, and yeah, that was the next challenge. Again, same thing at like 15, I, I would let the league in scoring in the OP and it was time to take the next step in my career. And that's, that was where I went to the OHL. I couldn't imagine playing three more years of junior to possibly go to NCAA. I really wanted to mm-hmm. kind of take that next challenge, next step. And OHL was the best possibility for that. Mm-hmm. Were, were you, were you offered scholarships to, to play in the States? No, I was too young. Uh, you're not allowed to by NCAA rules. There's no, you're not allowed to be able to, to be approached or, offered and now I mean I think things are changing now I think you hear about like 14 15 year olds committing or uh, that's what I'm hearing at least and when I back then it was yeah you're supposed to you know I think it's going into your senior year July going into your senior year you were allowed to be talked to so but I think it was the writing was on the wall for me not to say yeah I think 
everybody knew kind of my path since going to the OHL. <laughs> it wasn't a mystery by any means. Mm-hmm. So there was not much, you know, communication as far as going NCAA. Now your last year in the 0405, you finished up with London, right? Had a real good year there, didn't you? You guys won everything, didn't you? Yeah, that was my, so my last year was the year after that. The year of the 2004, 2005 was the Mem Cup year. Yes. And uh, yeah, we won the Mem Cup that year against Sidney Crosby and Lemuski. We had a pretty, we had a really good season. We broke a bunch of records and had just a, an unbelievable hockey team. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we went the first un, uh, first 31 games undefeated. Um, ran out of the gate, came swinging. <laughs> you guys had some studs on that team though, didn't you? Yeah, we had Perry, Bolin, uh, Fritchie, um, Dan Girardi, uh, Danny Savrette. Adam Dennis was an absolute stud goaltender. Um, yeah, we had everything. We had Prost, Brandon Prost, Kelly Thompson for tough guys. Mm-hmm. Drew Larman was a, we had pretty much every piece you could possibly think of. We had we had locked up and, and everybody played the role to a T. Yeah. So oh my we God. had a really good hockey team. Couple NHLers there. How did you end up going from um, Mississauga to to uh, London? I actually, yeah, so the year, after my rookie year, the, the management changed hands uh, once again for like the, I don't know, it's like the third time in three years. Even like when I got drafted by the Mississauga Ice Dogs, Don Cherry drafted me in their group. Trevor Whiff and Don Cherry drafted me, and they actually ended up selling the team like a month later. So they passed it off to Nick, his name Nick Ritchie. Uh, not Nick Ritchie, Nick, what was his name? Uh, now I'm, I'm bad with names right now. <laughs> Nick was well. You're tired. You're tired. <laughs> Late at night. I'm sorry, boys. But they passed it off, and we had a great year. Uh, Steve Ludzik was the coach, an amazing coach, amazing guy. Still one of my really close friends, and what a guy that I still look up to and, and really respect a lot. Uh, after that rookie year, they changed management again, changed the coaching staff. Uh, the coach that came in was amazing, uh, amazing coach, amazing guy. But the management, we had some issues there. I mean, not to go into a long story long, but it was kind of bananas how they were treating me and my family. <laughs> it yeah. was nuts. And it was got to the point where it was draft year, and I was we were, with my agent talking. It was like, okay, I can't deal with this all year long. Like, this is the first two months of the season started off like crap. And I was like, I, I can't focus. I don't want to deal with this. So we, we asked for a trade, and we gave them a date to, to set the date to trade us. And uh, they didn't meet that date, so I ended up leaving for – to go to play for the U.S. development program for two weeks until they traded me. Oh, wow. <clears throat> yeah, it was wild. It was crazy. It was nuts, but it, it was what it was. And honestly, with the way it was going, I, I really couldn't focus on hockey and I couldn't believe that I was even in the situation. Uh, you know, it looked terrible on me and it looked bad on my, I guess, my character or my name. But I mean, what was going on was bananas. So, <laughs> well, yeah. So screw that shit. I wouldn't stay either if it was that bad. You know what I mean? Yeah, it didn't look Literally. good in the long run. Even the coach leaving, um, Gibby said that on my way out the door. He's like, Trippy, I respect what you're doing. I understand why you're doing it. He's like, I just want to let you know, like, this is this is going to throw up red flags for you. And I respect him, and I respect – and I said, thank you. and appreciate everything, and I'm just trying to follow the guidance that I'm given and trying to do what's best for my career. And I appreciate everything. And it was nothing but the coach. I really, really, really respected him. He was a great guy, but it, just the other stuff was such a distraction. So we should get traded, and – the rest was history. <laughs> I, I what, what blows my mind is Don Cherry drafted an American. 
I didn't give him much of a choice, Rob. I put up, I was just dominating the OP, buddy. I didn't give him a choice. Well, yeah. So what uh, was it like for you leading up to the NHL draft? Did you know that it was going to be Edmonton or was there others involved? So like, how did all that go for you? No idea how it was going to go. No, no inclination. So, you know, I had all the draft uh, combine meetings, you meet with all the teams, uh, do your workout fitness testing and all that stuff and had all the meetings. And there was, there was uh, four or five teams that were saying, you know, there's, there's no chance you're going to be there at our pick. You know, they're talking from 15 down, you know, 15 up. You're not going to be there at our pick. We'd love to have you. And then it came to that time <laughs> that I didn't get picked by him. So it was wild. I had no idea what to, what was going on or what was where I was going to go. And, you know, 25th pick came up and the Oilers picked me. So um, it was a wild ride for the draft day. And uh, it was definitely a lot of emotions and a lot of, you know, adrenaline and, and all that good stuff. So. That's nuts, man. I couldn't. So, imagine. so like, I, I just, I want to go back a little bit to uh, like your, your world of junior uh, stuff. Like what, what was that? Like, how, how did, how did that all come about? Like, obviously you're good enough to get picked to it. So like, what, what was the process to, to get picked for that team? The first one. Yeah. So the, they have the training camp in uh, Lake Placid in August. And then you go there, obviously they get to the selection of like 40, 40 plus players go there and, and have a, little bit of a camp and play against Sweden and Finland come over for some exhibition games kind of give the scouts a little bit of preview of you know how you play against those teams and that sort of thing and then they basically judge the team or pick the team off how everybody's playing in their first half of the season so um, it's definitely something in your mind when you're out there playing and when you're you know you know with your own team uh, trying to put out a good you know showing for to make that world junior team as well as at the same time help your team win and, and help you know, whatever team you're on. Um, so it's, it's a little bit tricky, but, you know, exciting at the same time when the rosters come out, you see all this stuff coming out the press and, you know, the world junior team is about to be picked and you're waiting to see if you made it. There's not much communication until you get picked, really. So mm -hmm. it's kind of blind until they call you and say you've made the team. Oh, so you don't have to go like, like you know, I, how many times I've seen the Canadian thing where they, these, these poor kids got to sit in their, their uh, rooms and wait for yeah. the knock on the door. But you guys all got to go home and, and just wait to hear of a phone call? Well, Canada goes there. I don't know how they do it now, but that, in our time, again, it was just in August. So in August, you went to the camp, and then they pick you, and you show up to the tournament. So yeah, I know Canada does it differently. They, in December, they go all to go out to a camp. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's the other thing. We were, I was in London, obviously, and Corey Perry, Danny Sabret were at – Train, they left a little bit earlier to go to training camp to, to make the team, right? And uh, so it's a little bit different that, that way. Um, so for us, yeah, you're just kind of playing and then you get a phone call and say, hey, you made the team and welcome to the team and we look forward to having you. Um, so it's not so much of a selection tryout like Canada does it. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, so speaking of Corey Perry, what do you think about him playing with Montreal right oh now? Oh, my God. I'm not, not surprised at all. I mean, Paris is one of the most, you know, winningest players of all time. Uh, getting a chance to play with him, he's a super competitor and a guy that just loves winning and does whatever it takes to win. And, uh, you know, the game's changed a ton. So I think it's really gone away from his game in the sense that it's, it's a speed game now and fast, fast, fast and 100 miles an hour, 100 miles an hour. And then you see when all the chips are on the table when it comes to playoff time and it goes back a little bit like old school hockey, look who, you know, rises to the top and it pairs every year. So 
you know, I think he's a guy that's super valuable. Uh, he's such a competitor, knows how to win, knows what it takes to win, and brings it in the big, big moments. So uh, not surprising at all. Super proud of him. Obviously, as a brother and a great friend, it's I love watching it and seeing him rise to the top every year in the playoffs. He, he had a hell of a playoff last year in Dallas. Same kind of story during the year. is not so successful, and then the playoff times come, and Harris is right there at the top. So uh, he's, he's, yeah, he's a guy you want on your team. He's super competitive. He's a warrior. He drives the other team nuts, and he scores big goals. He just – he always has – he has a knack for just showing up at the right time. A guy like yeah, him is like it's made awesome. Like him, him and uh, Spezza, I can't believe how – like the age of these guys and how well they're playing for their teams. Yeah, yeah. Spezza's and court, Perry Perry knows how to take guys out, right? You know, he kicked Tavares in the head. Like, oh, here we go. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Here we go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was total accidental. Was they, oh, yeah, I know. And you could see how bad he felt. Like, you know what I mean? It was written all over his face that it, it was just awful for him, you know? So, yeah. So, just, a, just one of those things. That guy is made for the playoffs because the playoffs have they have a little bit of everything, right? He's in for that long grind. He's gritty as shit. He scores like huge goals, like you said, and he's just banging it. He's everywhere. I love Corey Perry in the playoffs. Awesome hockey to watch. I, I'm awesome. on that wagon right now. I'm on the I'm on the Montreal Fuck. wagon. Yeah, go Habs, man! Right now for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Kings of the North. Mm-hmm. That was all nuts. Um, Rob, do you have any more junior stuff? Yeah, I, I just have a couple more things. Like, yep, go who, ahead, bro. Who did, you, who did you get to play with on the world junior team? So the first year, I, I didn't really get a chance to get settled into a line. It's actually kind of weird how it went. Uh, the first first three games of this tournament, I didn't have a line. I was like 13-4. I played first game. I played one shift and scored a goal. Second game, no different. I played one like one and a half shifts, maybe minute 15 one power play and a half shift, scored a goal. And then the third game, same scenario, I played one power play shift and scored a goal. So I was kind of just cycled in on power play and then became the fourth and fifth and sixth game. I finally got to get on the line, but it was very uh, sporadic. So wherever I fit or whoever the coach decided to check me out with, I would go out. But uh, teammates-wise, it was like uh, Patrick O'Sullivan, Drew Stafford, Ryan Suter, Ryan Callahan, um, name a few guys. Al Montoya was what that was that year, the '85 year. So, mm-hmm. uh, it's pretty good players on the team. But can that was Canada's super team, the '85 birth year. I mean, their their decor was insanity. Uh, Coburn, Seabrook, Weber, Danny Sabret. Uh, who else was there? They had six absolute studs. <laughs> Uh, yeah. And then on the front line was Bergeron, Crosby, Perry, Richards, Carter. Well, who else was there, man? They had, there was stacked. And it was in the U.S. that year. So it was kind of like, shit. <laughs> it was like, oh, shit. These guys are loaded. Um, you know, and they came and they tore the tournament up. They, they ended up taking uh, Ovechkin down the finals. And basically, they, Russia had no chance. We didn't even get there. We lost in the, uh, we lost in the bronze medal game. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was the big duel between Ovechkin and Crosby. Like, who was gonna yeah. come out and be the best? And yeah, there was a lot. There was a lot of pressure on those two kids. Like, ton of, yeah, a ton of it. And then Canada absolutely bullied Ovechkin. 
uh, yeah. in that final game. Like, I mean, he shit the first 10 minutes of the game, they ran him, like ran him, ran him. Like it would have <laughs> taken anybody. One of those hits would have taken any person down. He took about five or six of them from mm -hmm. different players. Uh, they were just sending a message and they said it loud and clear. Uh, he was off the game. I think halfway through the second period, he ended up going off, got popped once and had to take a breather. So uh, Canada had it all that year. They had the grit, they had the size, they had the skill, every, I mean, every tangible you could think of in the goaltending. Ovechkin's a farm animal though. Oh like, my God, Jesus. that guy's a beast. He's one of the biggest men I've seen play this game. He reminds me of uh, like a Bertuzzi, you know, like just a big, Big dude, Owen Nolan, not, you know, that kind Fnuff, of player. Fnuff was the other defenseman that I couldn't think of. I don't know why that went to Brantford. That was the year the double D on was born. <laughs> Pierre Maguire, I still can't stand him. <laughs> double D on. That was the monster play of the game. Double D on. Oh, my yeah. God. <laughs> That's fucking brutal. <laughs> But he was bad. Dion was like a monster in that tournament. He played unbelievable. He was a tank. He was ripping clappers from the blue line bar down. Like he played unbelievable. That was like his peak. That would really put him on the map. I think mean, he was on the map before, but like that was pretty much a statement tournament for him. He was uh, rocking yeah. people too, man. Killing people, like smoking guys. It wasn't just like, you know, I think the double Dion thing was a little exaggerated because that wasn't even neither one of those hits were big hits, but yeah. he had a couple of hits in that tournament that were like, holy shit. Like this guy's a beast, man. He's only 18 years the, the old. The outcome was them hit them both falling when, when he got in there, right? Yeah. So yeah. That was, yeah, that was like the movie said <laughs> all this shit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He always has some weird shit to say, Pierre Maguire. He's so awkward. <laughs> yeah, he's got the theatrics going, man. He's, it's all for, uh, what do you want to say? It's, it's all good for, you know, marketing and, and kind yeah. of growing the game and getting interest in the game. Even whatever there's, whatever to say, any, any press is good. So any PR is good PR and he's, mm -hmm. he's got people talking about him and, and against the double Dion, you kind of roll your eyes at it, but you know, <laughs> it did put a statement in a memory in that tournament. Cause that, that did stick for a while, the double Dion. <laughs> you remember, uh, Rob, when, uh, Pierre McGuire was interviewing, uh, Phil Castle and he's like, <laughs> how's your breath? <laughs> he's, he's like, what? Oh, it must be bad. You know, and he's like, yeah. oh, no, no. Like, you know, you, you, how, how are your lungs? You know, how, you skate yeah. around you on the ice. Whatever. It's uh, so funny. Like, awkward things to say. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's funny, though. How's your gas? Like, in the tank. No, not, not gas, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Rob, are you all done with the junior stuff? Okay, beautiful. So where were you when you got your first call up into the show? I love asking guys that. Uh, Norfolk, actually, it was like end of the season. It was, it was game like 80, 80 or 81 of the NHL season. And we were down in Norfolk. And I had pretty much all about giving up on getting a call up that year. So I, I just was, I never, even th I didn't think about it after a certain point. You know, in the beginning of the year, it was kind of like, Stress, stress, stress. What am I going to go? You know, then I finally hit a point where I was comfortable and Wilkes-Barre was good. And it didn't seem like I was going to get a call up. And I was in my room and I got a call in my hotel room and I answered the phone. And, hey, Shippy, you're getting called up. Get your stuff ready. And I was like, yeah, it's a good one. I was like, fuck off, Bones. I thought it was Dennis Bonvey fucking with you. <laughs> so I told him to fuck off and on the phone. And then the phone rang back again. And it was like, hey, Shippy, it's Todd. It's coach Todd Richards. 
this is not a joke. You got called up. You're going up, buddy. Congratulations. And I was like, wait, wait, what? That's <laughs> like, that's like, hey, sorry for telling you to fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, no, I get it. I get it. He's like, but this is for real. He's like, you're getting, here's your flight stuff and all that. So I was down in Norfolk and I got called up and went and played uh, against Minnesota. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Were you like freaking out leading up to your first NHL game? Like, were you super nervous yeah. or were you just more excited or just? Yeah, it was a long travel day as well, so it was, it was pretty tough. Um, long travel day, and you know, obviously the first game in the show and, and not knowing what to do or what to expect, and I don't even know why. It's just a hockey game, but it just, you know, it's your first one and super jittery, so tough to focus, and, you know, and then you have this imagination that there's so much better up there and all that stuff, so it takes you a minute to, to really get your, you know, first couple of shifts and realize that it's not that much different. Obviously, it's not – out of this world different it's a little bit faster guys are obviously better but it's not uh nothing that you can't handle but yeah the first few shifts was just kind of like holy shit jitters <laughs> and that's supposed to be my good part you know so i couldn't hold my stick and i'm nervous and just fumble in the pocket uh it took a minute but yeah, definitely a good memory and it was yeah it was awesome well that 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 must have been awesome because we, we've had a few uh uh, players on here that played for London that said they treated you guys like NHL players so that when you do make the transition you know it's not like overboard mm-hmm. yeah that's that's part of the playing for London Knights and playing for Dale Hunter and Mark Hunter um, that organization those guys have been there for a long time um, so the things that they're teaching you are not about you know it's not on, it's not theoretical or you know, sometimes you play for coaches that have never been there and they can only guess what it's like up there. Dale played for 20 plus years. Mark played for, I'm not sure how many years, but won a Stanley Cup, played a long time, scored 50 goals in the show. So they actually know what it's like in the show. And so when they're, you know, breaking you in or, or helping you, you know, develop as a player, again, it's not on theory, it's it's on, you know, actuality. So it's uh, something that's really, you know, that's one of the big uh, caveats of going to, to London is having that, you know, mentorship or guidance from those two guys. And they put a lot of players in the show. So that's why everybody wants to get there and go there and also play in front of that building. London Knights fans are the, mo- the best fans of the league. Um, amazing building to play in. It feels like you're playing in the NHL and the OHL. It's actually, I had more, you know, better experience in my pro career, really playing in London. Mm-hmm. Better experience in London than I had in my pro career as far as that, like the fan base and stuff like that. Edmonton, I only played seven games, so I can't speak like I played there. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Um, Long Island was kind of shysty on fans. We weren't a very good team, and Atlanta was not a very good team uh, for fans either. So London's building was well, packed. I played in, for like, seven more games in Edmonton than I did, so. Hey, what about your first um, – your first – NHL goal. Who did you get it on? Tim Thomas, Boston Bruins. Tim Thomas. I feel like someone else has said that too. Yeah. Tim is Timmy known for that or what? Giving up the first. I don't know, but was it like was it like nice? Did it bounce off three guys? Uh no, it's kind of it's kind of a chintzy one. I was wide, I was kind of open back to not back door, but through the seam on the power play post. So I went to pass it through me through the seam. I was wide open for a one timer. I was ready to rip it. On the way to me, it hit a shaft and went towards the net. And Matt Molson like tipped it or tried to scramble it in. And it was sitting behind uh, the goal line. And I, I was behind the goal line. I took it and I bounced off uh, Timmy's 
basically bounced it off his ass and in. So it's kind of <laughs> not really my uh, forte of gold, but uh, I'll take it anyway. I can get it. First one in the show, I celebrated it like I'd never scored before. It was so exciting. And I remember I jumped into Mark Streit's hands. It almost broke his back. Mm-hmm. But it was, uh, yeah, it was good. It was amazing to get it off, you know, get that off your back a little bit. I was kind of wondering when I was, if I was ever going to get one. And uh, it was nice to finally see one go past the goal line, even if it came from behind the goal line. <laughs> However, however <laughs> you get it, man. They don't ask how. But so, so you seem to be pretty good at this. Like I, I understand that you're doing a lot of podcasts now and stuff like that. But you were in London. You had a, a, a radio show. Yeah, yeah. Brandon Prust and I used to go on every Friday morning with Big D, uh, Big D, Mindy, and Gord. Uh, FM ninety six. It was at the time, and we go every Friday morning. like our Friday game day ritual sort of thing, and. We'd go on for an hour in the morning and talk about the game and uh, just any questions that fans had would pop in on the radio. And it was a, it was like a, you know, kind of a family oriented radio station that had to be bleeped out a couple of times because of we had to be reminded that it was a family show and not in the locker room, but it was, uh, it was definitely great for us to get comfortable in front of that setting being live on, you know, a radio show and, um, you know, not to be in any big trouble for the swear words that we dropped or the terrible, you know, dark jokes that we told, but mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, it was good to have that training and have that comfortability and, and be able to, you know, just wing it. And I think that's a, it was a huge thing for both of us. I think Prusty and I are both pretty good at interviews and, and being able to kind of just be open and not too stiff or too stressed out about answering a question. Um, you see a lot of guys that are, and that they usually revert back to the four lines Pucks in, pucks deep, and everybody's going, and everybody's great. So that's yeah. usually the standard answer. <laughs> so it's, it's nice to have a little bit of your own charisma in, in an interview and, and be able to speak from your own heart, I guess, a little bit. That helped us a lot, and it was a huge. That is and pretty and awesome. awesome. And what a great, what a great town London is, eh? Like it's it's party central. Like you know, we go up there for the provincials for softball and all that yeah. stuff, and. Man, they must make a fortune in fucking beer cans. Oh man, we, yeah. <laughs> we know, blow like, that shit up in London when we go yeah. there. <laughs> no, it's great. Yeah, it's a really, really live city, man. The people of London are awesome. They're great people. Now, not just talking about hockey fans, but we spent a lot of time. I used to go back there for seven or eight years after my junior career, my pro career, every summer, spending with my billets, uh, Greg and Gail Barber, and you know, my other billets, Tim and Tris Harris Harrison were great people. So the people outside the game, even it felt like a home to us. We really retreated well. And, and, and I, the vibe in London's awesome. It's a great, it's a great little town, you know, uh, for us, good golf there. There's good nightlife. There's, you know, Western university when you're young and single, uh, <laughs> stock in the pond, but it was, uh, we had a blast there. You know, we really had a blast. Is that why you went to Europe? Because there was stock in the pond there too. <laughs> yeah, I got. Then I picked up a souvenir. Now I live here. Now I'm married. <laughs> picked up a souvenir. I imagine she loves that. Eh? Yeah, I, yeah, I'm glad she's in bed right now. I'm getting smacked in the back of the head. She's gotten used to it. <laughs> That's hilarious. So That's how? So where was your like first stop when you went from like over here to? over like seas because you've played in a lot of leagues over there yeah i got to, it's one of my you know, one of my taglines i've played in all the top leagues in the world literally uh, nhl uh-huh. khl ahl shl nla del and austria 
My first stop was in Sweden. I played for Marcus Naslin was the general manager. Peter Forslund was the assistant general manager. And uh, Alf Samuelson was the head coach in Moto. Jesus. Yeah, it was a stack lineup for, for staff. It was pretty cool. It was a great experience. And mm-hmm. hockey was great. In my opinion, the, the Swedish Hockey League is the second best league outside the NHL. As far as, you know, style of hockey, how the hockey's played, um, the country's amazing country. Living Sweden's awesome. And, uh, yeah, the league-wise, I, I just – you see how many Swedes are coming over now. It's oh. – I think maybe people over there are surprised. I, I guess I was too. When I went over to Sweden, I thought I was going to blow it up and have a hundred point season. I wound up having, I think it was like 45 points in 55 games. And everyone told me how great of a season I had. I, you know what I mean? I was used to like, I thought I was going to have big numbers, but the league is so strong, so structured defensively. A point of game player in that league is like, it's, it's pretty hard to do. It's really hard to do. Yeah. But you were like right there almost. <laughs> like you were It was tough. Off. Yeah. Well, that's why my, my start was tough. I had I had like two points in the first 10 games. I was kind of shitting my pants a little bit that I was going to get fired. And Alf Samuelson was just, he was really awesome about it. He sat me down. He said, we're happy the way you're playing. You're doing really well. He's like, I bet you thought you were going to come over here and tear it up. And I was like, yeah. He's like, that's not how it is here. You know, it's a different, totally different game. You even see the, you know, when Canada comes over here or whatever, not just Canada, but the, the Olympics or the world championship tournaments, all these tournaments are usually low scoring affairs. There's, there's the odd time when you play out yeah, like, Canada plays like Italy or, you know, one of these lower end teams, they blow them up. But most of the high end games match wise for teams, it's usually like a two, one or one, nothing is really low scoring games. It's tougher on the bigger ice. Yeah. Everybody thinks it's more offensive. It's not more offensive on the bigger ice. It's actually tougher for offenses. It's more skill outside the game, but in the deadly areas where it takes a score, it's, it's actually way different. Mm-hmm. Well, I heard it's very hard to hit people on that too, like because it, the ice surface is so big, like you really can't get. There's lots of places to hide. They say. Well, that's the thing. If you if you run after a hit, then you take yourself away from the the, the dangerous ice, and that's where you're trying to protect. So why would you go hit? You know, that's what you right. learn too. You go and run around to hit. You're actually exposing the deadly ice. So players stay more compact in the middle. And once they compact the middle, the shots from, so like, a, for instance, like a shot from the face off that in North America, you can score from, I would say no problem, but you know, you have a really good scoring chance from there. When you shoot from the face off that on the, on the, uh, on the European ice or the Olympic size ice, you're shooting from like five or six feet out further. You think about five or six feet, that's trajectory, that's angle, all that stuff with the goaltender improves the goaltender's chance. Right. So that's, when I, again, when I first came over to Sweden, I was taking these shots that I would on the markings of the North American ice, and it was like playing catch with the goalie. Yeah. So it, was, it took me a chance, it took me a minute to learn that. I was like, well, I better get a little bit closer, right? And then it's, yeah. So those are the little, I guess, little details that you, you pick up on. But the bigger ice is, it's further out when you shoot and shots come from the blue lines further out, you know, it's the, that sort of thing. So it takes, some two times, or sorry, two passes, sometimes three passes on the big ice. On uh, North American ice, it's like bang, bang, one pass, and it's a really good scoring chance. Mm-hmm. So think about that where that room for error comes in when you have to make two, sometimes three passes. You, you see where that kind of window for the defensive side of it comes in where they can stop the play versus, and again, North America goes from the half wall into the bumper guy, and it's bam, bam. It's a great A scoring chance. Uh, Long story long, but that's that's the difference. <laughs> I'm just thinking about the skating. Holy fuck, I'd be dead. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Your lungs, your lungs take it. You gotta get. You gotta be endurance. Uh, 
you got to work on lung capacity for sure. You skate all over the place. So is it true that you, excuse me, that you used to pass pucks into guys' feet just so that you'd get the return pass? And, uh, <laughs> Dennis Weidman, yeah, absolutely. Dennis Weidman is doing well enough for a long time. Dennis would, Dennis would shoot any freaking puck that came to him, and he'd fucking rip one-timers that were head high, and they never even had a chance of going in. So a lot of times they would turn into – in the power play, he'd take this head high shot and go over the net, and then the other PK would get it and dump it down. And guess what? Now we got to skate down and go get it. So I started giving it to Dennis on his back foot, so he couldn't shoot it on his back foot. <laughs> it was almost impossible, so he'd have to give it back to me. <laughs> and uh, we, I, when I knew that it was time for him to let one go, I'd put it on his front foot so he could rip it cheddar. But yeah, absolutely. <laughs> He's probably call you out on it. I used to do it. Yeah, oh yeah, he'd get pissed all the time, and I'd be like, well, "What are you gonna do?" And then they did it the last year. Bro, you're the best passer in the league, and you're dumping it in my back foot. Yeah. You fucking yeah. kidding me. <laughs> well, he knows you're doing it on purpose. Eh? He's probably oh, like, oh, you yeah. motherfucker. No, it wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't a mystery. He wasn't like asking what was wrong. He knew what was wrong. He'd come barking at me and say, well, stop shooting more than that. <laughs> That's fucking wild. Oh, nothing better than a puck whizzing by your head, and you're, you're, you know what I mean? You're a foot, foot and a half, two feet taller than the net, and you're freaking going to eat one in the app. So Dennis was going bar down no matter what. That's why I tried to make it impossible for him to do it. <laughs> That's crazy, though. Man. It's brilliant, know. though. It's brilliant. It is, it is brilliant. It's, brilliant. it's genius. <laughs> hey, you said you played um, you played KHL, right? Yeah. What was it like there? Because we've heard some crazy stories from the KHL. Yeah, it's definitely different. There's teams all over. But, you know, some good spots, some tough spots, and you know, it's, it's all it all varies. Uh, times are changing though, and all the stories, horror stories, are, are kind of have brought light to those situations. And teams have changed a lot. Mm. Um, you know, you're talking like Trevor Gillies and those guys playing. In, excuse me, in Vitas, um, it was a big, it was a mob run team. Um, and it was tough and it was like intimidating for those guys and what they were asked to do and how it was asked was pretty bananas and that's kind of gotten washed out and the, the league's really kind of getting better and better so there's less and less of those stories I was playing in Riga that's where I live now that's where I met my wife so uh, outside of Russia it's in Latvia and it travels a little bit tougher but living here is a really good spot to live nice city and that's part of it too some of the places where the guys are living are, are really tough you know Dan Sexton, a buddy of mine, was playing in a city where there was this, you know, right down the heart of the city, there was this about a seven, I think he said seven mile long factory, and it was just pumping out shit all the time. The air was so polluted and, and that sort of thing. So living was pretty tough. Um, those kind of things, those kind of details are what really add. And then, you know, getting fired all the time. If you don't score in a certain amount of games, you get gassed. You know, it's, it's not a really a good way to, to play. Under, under that kind of pressure all the time. Yeah, fuck that. So, so it was no contract? It was just you come play for me, and then if you don't do your job, you, you're done? Uh, precisely, yeah. And they would just gas guys. And, I mean, I got fired in November. I, I signed a two-year deal. I got gassed, and I got here in July. I got gassed in November. Uh, so they were, I was playing uh, right out of the gate. Three games into the season, they put me on the fourth line, no power play. And then they were kind of yelling at me why I wasn't putting up points. I was playing like seven minutes a game, eight minutes a game, no power play, and they wanted point production. So it made no sense. And, you know, they gave me an ultimatum to go down to their minor league team or take a, a wicked <laughs> wicked salary that was made no sense from what was 
you know, kind of proper or by the rules, actually, what mm-hmm. the percentages were. So I was like, all right, go to the minors. And then it's on my elite prospects. You can see I went down to Leopaya for one game. They couldn't believe that I went down there. I was like, I don't, I don't care. <laughs> like, don't really like, you're putting me in this predicament. I'll go play in the minors and, and I'll just make the same salary. I, I didn't have a two-way contract. And I'm not going to take a wicked pay cut <laughs> to just leave yeah uh, so i went down and then eventually became to terms and you know walked, walked away so it was, it was kind of bananas actually that i'm back here but um met, met my wife and happy wife happy life so we're here now <laughs> <Nice. laughs> That's awesome. That's so I, I i wanted to ask you who who was the like most inspirational person in your life because you you do you think that you were born like maybe 15 years too early, like for today's NHL? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think uh, I was a little bit ahead of my time, uh, for sure. The things I, the way I saw the game, the way the things I was doing in the game were, were really back up with the old school mentality was uh, definitely got some, some people's hair up, you know, mm-hmm. right. <laughs> piss people off hot dog or whatever you want to call it. Now it's, it's being celebrated, which, uh, it's you know it's a tricky tricky thing for me is it's a, I'm excited to see the growth and see the expansion of skill and that sort of thing but it also reminds me of when I was doing it 20 years ago it was considered a cocky punk uh, hot dog you know, <laughs> you know? but yeah the confident. Thing, that's how I saw it that's not how a lot of people saw it that's unfortunate but um you know it's the way she goes and I was you know I really saw the game a different way and and um yeah, it's just a little bit different. I think, and that's people. I've been asked that before, and, and they say, "What do you think you would do in today's game?" And I kind of say, "That's what I did my last year in junior, when the rules changed and the new rules were in place. I put up 145 points in the OHL, so that kind of could tell you what I could do in the new game. But the new game wasn't really happening yet at the NHL level. So I was in a team drafted to a team that was still the old school crash and bang and three lines of checkers, one line of skill." Um, and that I wasn't going to make that I wasn't going to make the three lines of crash and bangers because they had really good crash and bangers. So that's, unfor- you know, how my career kind of went a little bit earlier with what the stuff I was doing, the way I saw the game. So but it's fun to see the, the evolution of it now and see the way the game's come to so the rules change in 05. And now we're seeing, I guess, 15 years later, it's, you see some pretty high end skilled stuff and it's pretty fun to see. Mm-hmm. It's kind of disheartening because, uh, you know, like I was, I'm thinking about, you know, your lacrosse moves. And then, you know, like, was, was there a time that you ever, like, picked up the puck, you know, off the ice, you know, with the scoop and, and had a shot and, you know, like, got shit for it? You know, a lot of this, yeah, there was a lot of stuff was, like, kind of like when it was, I do you do it in practice or do it around the team? And it was, like, focus, don't, no fucking around, you don't need a hot dog shit. <laughs> okay, so I'll put it away. I'll put my skill away. So, I mean, I did it in the top prospects game, and it was not really – it was kind of like – like people couldn't believe that I did it. Um, you know, then through my pro career, I did it with Red Bull, actually, in a game uh, my last year. I played serious professional. I pulled it off on a three-on-two. Didn't score, but got a scoring chance off and made a little bit of a excitement for the fans. But, yeah, it was, it was a little bit uh, tricky to try. Depends, it really depends on who's behind the bench, you know. <laughs> Did you ever get sought for doing it? No, I didn't do it. I mean, I didn't really didn't do it. And I only did it three or four times in my career. So oh, okay. I didn't, it didn't turn into too much of a negative. So didn't get benched. Hmm. It's just nuts, man. I don't get it. But like, you know, just fucks everyone. Yeah. 
like you know, you see Don Cherry, you get, oh, there's no room in hockey for that. Where Buddy picks up the puck behind the net and stuffs it in. It's like, okay, you blue hairs, you gotta, you gotta take a seat back, take a step back. You know, let's 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 see what these guys can do. Like you know, like you, like you said, you're you're messing around with their lacrosse stick, and it's so much like the same motions with the wrists. And like you said, it opened up your wrists and got got them stronger and and whatever. But you watch these guys in practice and they're doing it constantly, you know, like there's that one phenom kid that, that can skate backwards and flip it around. And I don't know. I don't know. I can't even keep, I'm the guy that's fucking, you hear me coming down the ice, whacking my stick, stick handle. Chopping him <laughs> or, <laughs> or slashing at somebody. Yeah. Well, don't just get out of the way. Get out of the way. <laughs> Oh, that's, man, yeah, I could never do that shit, man. Like, pick the puck up and stuff like you do. It's it's an art, man. Lots of kids are doing it now, though. It's crazy. Yeah. Like, just off the cement, I'm like, what? What is that? What are you doing? Yeah, but that's where it started, I right there. <laughs> I need the lacrosse stick to do that. <laughs> Even then, you'd, hey, you'd still wipe out, eh? I'll still, oh, yeah, no problem. <laughs> I end up tripping, stepping on the stick, holding onto the stick, face first into the ground. That's <laughs> hey um rob i ask everybody this now because it's like everything's in full full fucking swing here who do you think is going to win it this year who's going to win the cup Oof. Uh, that's tough that's really tough i think if vegas gets out i like vegas a lot i think there's size speed uh skill all combined they got a really good team and great goaltending obviously mm-hmm. with flower and leonard they're really stacked. So, but that's going to be a tough challenge getting out of there. Uh, who knows? I mean, it's so tough to call right now. Honestly, Montreal blows up, you know, two, two really good hockey teams, uh, two teams that on paper are way better than them. So that's, they're dangerous right now. Mm-hmm. The Islanders are, are, are looking to beat the Bruins right now. I mean, I don't, I mean, pulling for them because I played for them, but obviously the Bruins are a pretty good hockey team. So I, just, I can't believe they're down in this position. It's really tough to call. Mm-hmm. I mean, Rob would love to see the Islanders wrap that up, wouldn't you, Rob? Yep. <laughs> Rob, yeah, that'd be great. Awesome. I think it'd be huge for Long Island to pull that off and get through that series and, and get you know get a little bit deeper in the playoffs. But yeah, I mean, they're up against it with a good yeah, boss. I'd love to see that happen, and then I'd love to see the Islanders just get fucking buried. After what they did to Tavares, that really broke my heart on the island. Yeah. <laughs> I love Matt Martin. I love Matt Martin. He's, Matt he's, Martin's a, awesome. he's right from around this area. Like, he's like 20 minutes away. He lives in uh, Windsor. So yeah. we're just outside in the outskirts in Essex. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Matt, he's awesome. Salt of the earth. He's a great dude. He's my roommate, actually, my last year in Long Island. We played together. So he was a really, oh, really? Guy, really good dude. Good teammate. Uh, awesome guy. Yeah, I love Matty. He's a good, good guy. Yeah, when he went back to Long Island, he really fit well there. I don't know. He didn't really fit that well or the situation wasn't proper for him in Toronto. I mean, I think everybody can agree with that. Uh, even he's talked about it a little bit himself, so I'm not really speaking for him, but like even mm-hmm. just in, with Babcock, he didn't really fit for some reason. And Long Island, <laughs> Babcock's a straight up dick. I loved Matt Martin. I and you knew that Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner just loved that guy to death. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, he he became a kid when those guys got there, like when he got there. You know, mm-hmm. and, and he just loved it. And and then for Babcock to be the way he is, I'd love to hear stories 
about Babcock from that guy? Oh, <laughs> I can only imagine. We had, we had Ian White on last week, and he's like, yeah, Babcock's a dick. You yeah, know, like just, totally, just straight up. Like, fuck him. Just like, damn. What? what? It's awesome. <laughs> That's crazy, though. Yeah, um, so before we let you go, I know you're getting tired and we don't want to keep you too much longer, but I still have like a hundred thousand questions, but <laughs> I'll just leave it at one and hopefully you'll come back on and you enjoyed yourself. And we really Absolutely. appreciate you taking the time and uh, helping us out with our podcast. But uh, so if there was a goal scoring song, what would your goal scoring song have been? That's tough. Get everybody with this one. I don't know, man. Cause I, I was like a big celebrate. I love celebrating my goals, and I, I didn't really need a song to celebrate. I, I brought the I brought the heat when I scored, man. I, I was doing the sweeping of the ice, the celebrations, and fist pumps. Uh, I didn't need a song to do that for me, but I don't I don't really have one. Honestly, I, I yeah, I don't have a song that I could think of that would like just as good, just scoring yeah. goals. Definitely yeah, out, so. just score and go woo. It's all you got to do. He ain't hearing shit when he's yelling the That's whole time. It's all about me, buddy. <laughs> That's fucking hilarious. Yeah, Rob, this has been awesome, man. Thank you so much. I know it's late there. So, like, so everybody knows we started at five o'clock here for us. It was midnight for Rob. So, huge shout out to Rob for, uh, for Not like staying up that for Rob. the boys. Yes, that Rob. <laughs> that Rob. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, man, thank you so much. Wish you all the best. Hope everybody stays safe and, uh, Hopefully we can shoot the shit again soon. Sounds good, boys. Thanks for having me on. Good luck with the pod. I'll be listening. Thanks, Robbie. Appreciate it, buddy. Thank you. Take care, boys. Well, there he is, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Rob Shrimp. That guy had some crazy stories i can't believe he was 11 years old from his knees shooting the puck from the far blue line ringing crossbars at the far that's nuts dude come on i i like couldn't even do that now he's scoring 300 points goals that's 300 goal. goals yeah that's i can't cool. even do it from the hash marks and hit the fucking crossbar for fuck's sake <laughs> It would take me fucking six years, seven years to score 300 goals for fuck's sake. So he did it in one. It's ridiculous, man. It just shows like, like you can't teach that shit, man. And he has the greasiest hands. Like he's, he's gross. He's disgusting. So big shout out to Rob though, for staying up with us and uh, shooting the shit with the boys. So he was cool as hell. So we'll move on fresh off, hot off the press, shall we say. Gerard Gallant finds a home, and it's going to be on Broadway. What do you think about Gerard Gallant going to the Rangers, Rob? I think it's fantastic. Good for him. You knew he was going to get picked up somewhere. Oh, I yeah. thought he was going to go to the Kraken, but, you know. I thought he was going to go to the Wings. Like, I thought Eisenman was going to make a move, but, yeah. So, yeah, there was – trust me, man, they got – an amazing coach. I love Gerard Gallant. He's going to be, he's got so many key freaking pieces he can work with, right? With the bread man and he's got Lafreniere and he's, those guys are going to be awesome, man. I can't wait to see what he does with that team. 
completely off yeah, topic there. Yeah. <laughs> completely off topic. Nice, nice hair there. Holy crow, dude! Holy you got quite the mop. Quite the mop. It's Saturday. <laughs> Don't worry, we got a hairdresser. <laughs> we got a hairdresser for you. Don't worry. I got a guy lined up for you, Rob. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um. So, Carolina. So Dougie Hamilton is obviously going to be done now in Carolina because the Carolina Hurricanes have given him. Uh, they're going to let him talk to other teams. I'm I'm not sure who they said is going to be in the mix. Are the Leafs in the mix for him? I have no idea. I know they think they said there was three or four teams. I didn't get to see because I was literally getting ready to come on the air when I seen it. So, but so he's going to be yeah. Gonzi. That's a big piece, man. That is a big piece. Uh, but you know what? He's he's gone through a few teams now, and uh, I don't know. Like, is he a problem? I don't think he is. No, I just think he wants to win, so he's going to bounce a little bit here. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I know. I think Toronto might have been one. I feel like they were. I'm not sure. I'm I just glance quickly. I just glanced quickly, so I couldn't really. I couldn't really see who was in and who was out. But in the meantime, while you're like looking that up there, Mark uh, Shifley there. So they had the end of the year like media thing there for the Jets. And he uh, was probably borderline of like walking, the like toeing the line of a fine. Would Would you think so? I don't know. I, you know, these guys when they when they want to talk of like how they feel, there should be no reason that they shouldn't get to say what the fuck they want. I don't understand mm-hmm. that. Uh, you know, he he's gonna pour his heart out and tell you how he feels. I don't think he should have got four games for that. That I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm totally wrong on this, but. I thought four was too hard. Safety of player personnel is the one that gave it to him. Four games. The guy's never done anything like that before. It's a fucking hockey play. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, like sliding hard into second base and taking the feet out from the shortstop or the second baseman. It's a hockey play. You skated with your head down around the net. I loved crushing guys going yeah. around the net. Because the first thing they did when they come around the net is they just started to look up. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I was right there. I don't agree with the uh, four games either. I thought maybe one or like maximum of two, but whatever. What's done is done. But still, he was like towing the line of a fine. You could tell he kind of held off a little bit, but whatever. We're not going to talk too much on it. We're just going to see what happens next year between the Well, Habs he and even Jets. said, I got to leave it where it is. And, yeah. uh, you know, before I get fined, so yeah, everything will take care of itself next season, <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah. So your boys there, since they're knocked out and they're not playing hockey anymore, a couple of your boys were at UFC this past weekend. They were there with Justin Bieber, and those two were Austin Matthews and Freddie Anderson. So it showed those guys there at the fights. Why Justin Bieber though? They've know. always hung out with him. I know. I don't understand the love of Justin Bieber. Because he's probably, well, I think because he's a big Leafs fan, 
Like he's a huge Leafs fan. So he probably just reached out to them. So now they all just fucking hang out. Listen, I don't listen to his like music or anything either, but if you're in the NHL and you're playing in the city that he lives in and the team that he likes, if he like messages you, are you going to go like hang out with him? Me? No. Yeah. <laughs> no. Well, they'll, you got to figure too. Those guys are young too, right? Like yeah. you or I would probably be like, hard pass but if i see you at a like club i'll say like what's up and like send you a drink or something but as for hanging out but then i think about it like him and like marner are like fairly young right so they're all probably right around the same age actually if there's dave Grohl, okay yeah i'll, I'll come hang out with you, you know, if you want <laughs> like, i'm totally down with that but justin bieber fuck guys Let's get it together. <laughs> Go Leafs, eh, Rob? <laughs> That's fucking funny. Um, if it was Gordy, Gordy, Gordy was a big Leaf fan. I would have fucking, yeah. <laughs> I would have drove the bus to get him there. <laughs> so, Rask, remember how we were saying last episode, actually, we were talking about that he was playing. He was a little banged up. So, it turns out he was banged up. He has to have surgery on his hip. Here's the kicker. He's going to be out till January or February. That's a long recovery. What did they say it was again? What was the, the thing again? It's yeah. a labrum. Yes. And which, so yeah. So that kind of explains what was going on in that like series, right? Well, I don't know. That's yeah. a long, that's a long recovery. That's a tough recovery. And he's, not I don't know. He played pretty good though. Yeah. You know, for being hurt. For being hurt, he played real good. Like, yeah. real good. Um, so, best of luck to him. Nathan McKinnon. You think he's fucking pissed off or what? End of the year press conference. His quote, and I quote, I've been in the league for nine years and haven't won shit. That was his quote. No, he doesn't want out of Colorado. No, he's not asking for a trade. He's just frustrated. And he's just saying, I've been here for nine years and we haven't won shit. That's just, it's literally what he's saying is what he meant. So I'm, and he's the type of guy that too, that will put the team on his back. So I bet you, he's probably like, like I could do this better and I can do this better. And it's just the type of guy that is, even though he had an amazing year, like he had an amazing playoffs. He's top three in the league, I would say no. He's a stud, yeah. Like, so, I don't know, man. I wouldn't mind seeing him raise the cup one day. I'd like to see Toronto raise the cup before fucking McKinnon. <laughs> of course you would. <laughs> of course you would. <laughs> I know. I didn't hear Austin Matthews come on and say, fuck, you know, like, I haven't won shit. I haven't done shit. You know, I don't, I don't know. You're still from you're a eh? you're still pissed off. Ah! Right? Yeah, you're still pissed, aren't you? Yeah. But I hope they had a good time at the fucking UFC. <laughs> Should have been in his driveway working on his fucking wrist shot. Yeah, or his fucking face-offs or fuck something. Hit scoring goals. Hit he scoring let his goals. Hitting though, he actually led the team, led his like. Yeah, I squad know. Net. I get that. Maybe he shouldn't be the one leading the fucking team, and Simmons should be leading the team, and 
I don't even want to get into it. Fuck it. We already did last episode. Look, let's go crush. Let's let's go crush some GLs. I like it. All right, everybody. We're done. Enjoy the game tonight. Game's on nine o'clock. Game one, this being Monday night. So uh enjoy the game and we will talk to you guys next week. And Rob signing off. We're out of here. See ya. Yeah, I can get behind anything.